With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We better get on to our next guest. We've got Brent Impey, NZR, former chairman for when my time in the jersey. He's a good man and great to catch up with Brent. How you doing, Brent? G'day, Izzy. How are you, man? I thought you'd be on about uh, Alex Carey, eh? In a, big t- in a big time this morning. Oh, mate, <laughs> we've been talking plenty about that. We've been talking yeah. plenty about the situation that happened over there, mate. No surprises, eh? No love lost between those two teams. Trevor Chapel, number two, eh? <laughs> Don't bring it up, mate. Don't bring it up. All right, Brent, obviously big news with the uh, the Six Nations Sansa joining forces to launch a new global rugby competition. I know you've been a supporter uh, of this uh, for a while now, and it's come. It's happening, mate. Are you happy? Oh, very. I think it's great. I think, you know, New Zealand rugby has been a real driver of this. Uh, Mark Robinson, during the time he was... Our world rugby representative, uh, Steve Chu, myself, uh, our board, we, we, were the, we were the drivers, you know, when, uh, mm. with the Sansa side of it. It uh, reminds me of a meeting in Dublin, I think it was about A218 World Rugby, where Sansa was in favour of this competition, adding Japan and Fiji in, and it was blocked essentially by the home nations uh, because they wouldn't accept promotion relegation and went big then back to the drawing board but I think it's uh, I think it's terrific um, and I've just been reading actually the the Herald columnist Gregor Paul on it and I completely disagree with him so you can ask me anything so so what do you disagree with Brent like what what is what are the I guess the pros and cons that people really need to listen to well let's look at the pros first of all the pros is that um, uh, every match that is played is for something. It's for a competition. It's not essentially a friendly or just a tour. So, so it goes towards points, and um, there's that side of it. There's an economic benefit because it'll attract more television because the games are, uh, are meaningful. Thirdly, um, it means that um, countries, and I suspect it must be Fiji and Japan who are added, um, uh, it gives them a lift up into playing regular Tier 1 rugby. Uh, the next challenge is uh, around the Tier 2 nations. And in Europe, they've pretty well got this sorted. Um, leaving aside the, the testy issue of promotion relegation from six nations, Rugby Europe this year uh, introduced an eight-team competition, a really interesting competition that worked fantastically for them. So they divided into two divisions. Tell me if I'm boring you. On the west side, they had um, Spain, Portugal, Netherlands and Belgium. On the east side, they had Germany, Romania, Georgia and Poland. So you played each other 
and then the top two played the other top two, etc. And all over in five games, and Georgia was the champion. Now, imagine putting that into the uh, outside of Europe and having a competition which could include the likes of the five teams who are in the World Cup. So there would be Tonga, Samoa, Uruguay, Chile, Namibia, and add the States, Canada, and say Hong Kong. What a competition you've got, an opportunity for them to grow as well. What sort of figures are we talking here for the generation, uh, generational wealth that could be raised in these competitions? And where would this money be going, uh, particularly? And who has the control of this money, Brent? World Rugby does, because it's a World Rugby competition, pretty much like uh, the World Cup, where they uh, they take they, they take the money and then they distribute it out. Um, uh, so it's a, it's a World Rugby benefit. There are clearly going to be benefits to those countries who. Uh, are participating. It, will, it would run into the millions. I'm not close enough now to it to give you um, anything regarding accuracy regarding the television figures because not only would it be um, television, but they'd be driving online a lot of online content with it, you know, uh, for example, the big hits, the tries, etc. Hey, Brent, just uh, before we touch on the All Blacks, just with this... Uh, this global reach, I guess you can call it, the Americas, the Asias, uh, and the media rights and all that, is this more about growing the game globally for media rights and, and potentially the Olympics? Um, not the Olympics, because uh, the Olympics is, is, the, is the Sevens event, so I don't see the Olympics as being relevant to it at all. Uh, definitely in terms of, of growing the game. There are, um, there are countries outside of the top tier of nations who are really uh, are, are really growing? I mean, the very fact that Chile could knock out the USA um, for a space in the World Cup, then Portugal did the same. Uh, Spain, the growth is has been quite substantial. Um, South America has definitely gone ahead. Uruguay is stronger than it was. So the opportunity to grow the game in these countries, it's interesting. When you go to them, uh, there's excitement about how rugby is growing as a sport. You get back to New Zealand and it's all doom and gloom because of uh, of whatever. So it just depends on the environment you're in. The conversations when your time, Brent, when you were in, in the seat with New Zealand NZR, with the Six Nations in the North, were those conversations open or were they dominated more by the North? I, I'm just asking this question right now because North have a pretty... Uh, supreme product at the moment with Six Nations. The the traction that they're getting at the moment is huge. Were they open to, to listening to the South, knowing with what the competition we have down here? Do we still hold all the cards? Who holds all the power at the moment? Well, as far as the power is concerned, um, you saw that in the World Cup vote when uh, Bill Beaumont uh, beat uh, Gus Pichot by, I think it was 28 mm. votes to 24. So the North the North has, quote, the power, unquote. Uh, however, go back to things like the 215 World Cup where the four semi-finalists will sans are. Uh, that's changed. There's no question that uh, the rugby product over there has got uh, significantly stronger. Just look at the under-20 tournament at the moment and the, mm. and the strength being shown by you know, countries like Ireland and France. So um, no question that, uh, that the North has got uh, significantly stronger. Brent, just a, a, a question I raised before in and around the participation. Would, what part do you see 
the Players Association playing in this as far as um, duty of care to the players if the competitions are, I guess, increasing down, down here in the south? Uh, absolutely critical. Um, there's, uh, I think the relationship between um, New Zealand Rugby and the Players Association around player welfare has been very positive. Yes, we've, we've had um, issues over, over other things, but player welfare in terms of the number of games a player has, the rest periods, uh, they are constant matters of, um, of discussion. And I think, by and large... New Zealand handles that uh, pretty well uh, compared to, say, if you if you go over, um, as Ian, you play rugby in France for uh, for a couple of years, you're playing a heck of a lot more rugby than you are if you're playing mm-hmm. super rugby here and you get picked for the All Blacks. So the, the difference is about, what, five or six games per year, and that's a lot mm-hmm. at this sort of level. Just before we uh, before we let you go, Brent, we do appreciate um, having you on the show. Very interesting points that you have made. Uh, how's it been for you now, I guess, not being as close to it, observing it from afar? You obviously still <laughs> take a very keen interest in it. But, uh, yeah, is it, is it interesting sitting on the other, on the other side of the fence? <laughs> it's a funny question, that. Um, rugby is something when you're involved, which is 24-7. You, know, you wake up at 3 in the morning and you're thinking about the bloody Nations Championship or whatever it is. Um, <laughs> Uh, when, when, when I finished in April 22, I decided to distance myself from it, both for my own good and also for the good of rugby. And I believe when you resign from the Navy, you're out of the Navy. So I've kept way out of it. Um, and uh, that's been good. Didn't really go to, to any games, really, until the Women's World Cup semis and final. Come back into it a little bit now. I've uh, just become a director and chair of the Fiji Drua. Uh, and that's a great challenge for us um, to build that nice. team uh, over the next few years. Um, so that's that's my sort of sole rugby focus at the moment. And in fact, I'm going up to Fiji today as part of that. Hey Brent, oh, just on that, that's that's great news. And, and like obviously, we've touched on it through, throughout our show is the challenges that the Pacific nations have at the moment when you've got a platform to able to showcase all your talent in the islands. How difficult is it to to retain those players? Is that part of your process? Do you want to see them go offshore and and better themselves, make a potential career, um, you know, career life earnings, or how are you ensuring that they stay here? If you know what I mean, like you've, you've you're putting these yeah, players on yeah. the on the platform, and they're going to get swooped from the Europe because most of the Fijian players go to Europe. How do we stop that? Is that a challenge for you yeah. in Fiji, Drew? Massive challenge. I mean, that is the challenge. So um, we've lost a couple of players who are going to um, Europe following this year's Super Rugby competition. Uh, Only two, though. Um, And the money that we're paying uh, at the moment is not sufficient to be able to stop the very best from going to Europe, or is it enough to attract the very best back uh, to, to play in Fiji? However... Uh, that's why this is um, a commercial operation and the the aim will be over a few more years to attract more revenue into the into the club and to be able to uh, make it attractive for Fijians a to stay at home uh, and that a lot of that involves development programs etc and um, and also to potentially attract some players back it's interesting at the moment the Fiji flyers you know the, the World Cup team, um, is coming together and training at the Drewers training ground in Nandi. Uh, so um, it, it's about connections, it's about money, it's about making sure the environment is right. Um, give us, give us, give us uh, three or four years and uh, give us a call back and see how we're going. 
Oh, no, we'd love to do that. And I'm sure it, uh, yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see how it all develops. Uh, Brent, I really appreciate you coming on. As we said, great to get your thoughts on this, uh, on this new World Rugby competition, which we are all excited about in a couple of years' time. Uh, so thanks heaps for coming on. No problem. See you guys. Have a good day. There you go, Brent Emmy there, the uh, former NZR chairman, and uh, yeah, pretty bullish on that competition. Like you, like you said, Izzy, he uh, he and Shag and a few others have been big, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, promoters of it over the years, but have always faced that big old stonewall that is the North. Uh, so good to get yeah, it over the, the line. North. Yeah, look, they are holding a lot of the power at the moment. We've always been, you know, so confident with how the South have been going over years, but the North are slowly keep catching up. And I think there was a question when you talked about player w- workload and player welfare, Kempi. Like the North, traditionally, with all the clubs up there, with the French top of competition, Heineken Cup, et cetera, et cetera, there is just a lot more games for them. So I don't have any problems for player welfare really down here in the South because we've got a great connection with the Rugby Players Association and NZR with player management. And I know it's been topical throughout the year because World Cup year, we want to see our best players playing. But player welfare is is, a big, is at the forefront of their conversations. Over in the North, they don't have any of that. Any of that. You play club footy, you play the Heineken Cup, and you go back and play next week for Toulouse in the top 14. There is no rest. You are just rolled in week in, week out. But hey, they yeah. get on with it. Yeah, it, just a different setup down here. Eh? That's why I asked the question. There's there's two mm. things going on in my head at the moment. The first thing is the names that he was rolling out. I mean, that's the Americas. And then the other one was the Asias. And you know through TV and media deals that this here is about a TV media rights deal. Mm. All right, mm-hmm. so they're grow, growing that competition so that they can grow that pool of wealth. Mm. Now, where does that wealth go? That was a great question by you. Like, who gets their hands on it? And the second, the second part of that is that the Players Association here is totally different to the setup up north. So the Players Association, and I, I'm guarantee you that they're smart people, will be going, well, if you're going to grow that revenue pool by so much, what's that actually mean to our players down here? So we're mm-hmm. not just grow, growing a pool of money for you to, to put into this organisation with your 12 teams and your second tier plan. We actually want to be paid well enough for it. And I can see that the Americas and the Asias, uh, with where these teams come from, is the media that they're trying to attract so that they can get more people paying their subscriptions to pay for this game. Yeah, it is it's very, very interesting to see uh, also what's going to take place between now and 2026 to see uh, sort of how the, the schedule is going to work and, and where the game's going to be played, etc. Uh, give us a text on double eight double three, the Timber Bedpost text machine. Let us know uh, how you th- how you view it, the, this uh, this new global competition. Uh, will it dilute any other form of the game for you, whether that's rugby mm. championship or World Cup or perhaps even you know the domestic rugby now, more international rugby probably does mean a bit more rest and rotation for the All Blacks. Um, so is that, you know, are we going to see a little bit more dilution of of NPC and Super Rugby, that's uh, that's another question to ask as well. Hey boys, a little bit of breaking news. Um, Zoe Hobbs uh, over in Switzerland has just smashed um, the Olympic qualifying time for the 100 metres. She's run 10.96 uh, under 11 seconds again. It's the second time she's done it and that is um, nearly 0.1 of a second faster than the Olympic qualification time. So she's going uh, to Paris next year for the 100 metres, which awesome. is awesome news for her. And 10.96, jeepers. That was that was what Tony Kemp was running at you know the height of his, <laughs> of his rugby league career, wasn't it, Kempy? Oh yeah, probably just just in front of her actually. What is it? What are, what are your PBs, lads? Do you do you know what your hundred meter PBs are off the top of your head? Eleven nine was um, eleven nine. Okay, mm. sub twelve. I think it was eleven one. Bare feet. Ooh, at yes. 
Bare feet as well. <laughs> but hey, that's, that was a on the stopwatch. Gra- on the grass Bang. track, yeah. And then, oh, there we go. Yeah. You don't know when he's passing. No, I, I can't. I think it was a left one, but that might be out Hand, the gate, so I don't know. Hand time on the grass track where uh, the caretaker has only measured out 80 metres, but uh, <laughs> you'll, you'll claim it. For 10.96, that is absolutely rapid from, from Zoe Hobbs. Uh, lots of text. Well done, Zoe. Lots, yeah, well done, too. Lots, <laughs> lots of texts coming through here on double eight double three, and a couple more headlines I want to bring to the boys as well, but we will take a break, 23. Three minutes past eight here on Izzy and Kempi for breakfast. Thanks to Chemist Warehouse, the real house of fragrance.